and uh, good uh, good morning to you. Boy, it's May. You know what Wall Street says about May? They say, sell in May and go away. Well, I don't know about that. We're not going to go anywhere. But I'll tell you what we're going to do in May. You know, in a previous broadcast, what I did is I looked at uh, uh, the bullish case for the market and also the bearish case for the market. So in May, I thought what I'd do is expand upon that and take a look at different Wall Street analyst viewpoints, both bullish and bearish. And I'm not going to subject my opinion on either case. I'm going to let you decide which analyst you think makes the most sense. In today's show, we're going to take a look at Harry Dent's latest analysis. But before we get there, again, I want to give a shout out to all of our uh, men and women serving in the armed forces and say, say a big thank you. But I also want to do this. You know, from time to time, I have recommended a book that I've read that I thought was really, really good. One of those books uh, in the past was Michael Lewis's The Big Short. Uh, and Michael Lewis is, is, is maybe an author you don't know the name, but you probably know some of his works. Moneyball, um, Blindside. Uh, he also did Liar's Poker. But The Big Short, I thought, was a really, really good a deep dive into what actually happened on Wall Street to ignite uh, the Great Recession of 2007 into nine. Now, I think another author who's just popped up on scene has done an even better job. She is Daniel DiMartino Booth, and her book is called Fed Up. Danielle was an, an analyst for Richard Fisher. Richard Fisher was the president of the Dallas Fed. And he was the president from 2005 into 15, and he was the only Fed governor that opposed Bernanke and the other Fed governors when they touted out TARP and all the other QE programs. It is a fascinating read, and I think you ought to put it on your summer reading list. And she does a great—you don't have to be an economics major to understand this book. That's one of the things about Danielle that I really liked in her writing style— She makes this common sense and easy to understand for just about everybody. So what does Harry Dent have to say? Well, in his latest boom and bust letter that came out just a few days ago, there is a ton there. I'm sure I'm not going to get through all of it, but I'm going to hit the highlights. He starts out by saying, the cheerleaders are bouncing around, waving their pom-poms. They're chanting, no bubble, no bubble, no, no, no bubble. And Janet Yellen's one of them. And so is the Oracle of Omaha, who said earlier in the year on Squawk Box, we're not in bubble territory. Well, he obviously says a different thing. He goes on to say one of his favorite economists, Nobel laureate uh, Robert Schiller, developed the best valuation indicator thus far. It's called his cyclically adjusted price-to-earnings ratio. It's also known as the Schiller P.E. or the CAPE. And my regular listeners, you know, we've talked about Bob Schiller and Cape on this radio station in in the past. He's one of my favorite economists, too. Well, Mr. Schiller, Dr. Schiller, I I should say, uh, says that we're clearly in bubble territory. And what he does is he uses the average of the last 10 years earnings to smooth out wild fluctuations near the tops when when earnings suddenly crash uh, in a major recession or a depression. 
What this does is it makes the model more reliable than just a simple price-to-earnings ratio. So basically, what we're looking at, we're comparing previous peaks. We're looking at the peak in 1902. Now, I know that's way back, but the peak there led into what potentially would have been a far worse depression than we had called the Great Depression. So the the peak there, the Cape uh, ratio was 22.9, just rounded to 23. Then the peak in 1929 was 32.6, just round that to 33. The 37 peak was 22.2. Now we're starting to get closer to our modern day. 66 peak, 23.9. 2000, 44.2. 2007, 27.5. Okay, now, where are we today based on Dr. Schiller's CAPE? We're at 29.3. That is higher than all but two previous peaks. So that would be uh, higher uh, than the one in 1929, believe it or not. So with a situation like that, Schiller says we're definitely in peak territory. So Harry goes on to say that um, bullish analysts are pointing to the fact that even with Schiller's uh, current P.E. of 29, um, that we're nowhere near the peak of of the 44 in, in 1999. But Harry says there's a reason for that. And the reason is this. Uh, the cycles back then were much different than than the cycles are now. Uh, between 1995 and, and early 2000, the U.S. economy was really very strong. Boomers, uh, us boomers, we were in the peak of our spending acceleration, and we were relatively well off uh, geopolitically around the world. We didn't have too many hot spots then. Today, it's exactly the opposite. Since 2014, those four key cycles that Harry Dent looks at have all started to point down. Now, Schiller basically is, like I said before, one of Harry Dent's favorite economists. And he was also one of the first to be able to um, adjust home prices uh, in, in the U.S. for inflation and demonstrate once and for all that Basically, homes are a non-appreciating asset in real terms, which is something that's counter-cyclical to what we've always been been taught. But the bottom line is, if you adjust home prices for inflation, yeah, you may buy a home and you may be in it for five years and sell it for a profit, but inflation adjusted, you really had no profit there. That's what he's basically saying. So getting back to the fact that uh, we had home appreciation um, and we had a whole different cycle back in, in the lead up to the 2000 peak. Uh, everything in a, in a cyclically adjusted um, situation was, was perfect for then. We had demographics on our side, geopolitical situation on our side. So no wonder it, we were able to push uh, the KPE up to a 44 reading. And, and in today's atmosphere, we're just, we're just nowhere near anything, anything like that. Now, you know, I want to say this to you. 
like I said before, I'm not going to give you my comment one way or the other. But if Harry's comments have you a bit nervous, maybe it's time for you to get a second opinion, especially if your advisor is telling you everything is hunky-dory and you maybe have some doubts. Then why don't you come in and let you and I sit down and have a conversation? You know, there's ways to make money if this market continues to rise, but also keep that precious retirement asset you have safe and protected. And if Harry turns out to be right later this year, and we witness a devastating market crash, then you'll escape that. There's Look, there's no cost for you to come in and chat. There's not going to be any obligation on your part. But I'd like to listen to your story. So give me a call at 336-391-3409. That's 336-391-3409. So going in from 2000 into 2007, um, the government really did everything in their power to try to inflate real estate prices. And, you know, they uh, relaxed the underwriting rules. We all remember the term of ninja loans. What is it? No income, no job. You can get a loan, that kind of thing. And price appreciation of houses uh, started to move up to the point where people used their homes as uh, ATM machines. They'd get home equity loans um, and and use uh, adjustable rate mortgages because on the adjustable rate mortgage, it was a whole lot cheaper than uh, a fixed 30 or 15-year mortgage. So they could easily afford the payments and, and then use uh, – the extra equity is, is cash out to go buy cars or whatnot, travel. So people really never built equity in, in into their homes. And this just kind of fed into the the ever-increasing cycle of, of what uh, eventually peaked the market out in 2007. Um, it was a perfect storm brewing at that time, and uh, – it led into um, the end of a period of time where Harry is going to be defining his four main cycles. And, and when we come back for the next segment, we're going to look at those uh, four cycles uh, that, that he has. Let me just kind of give you a, a heads up of, of what they are. He uses uh, something called a 45-year innovation cycle, a 39-year generational spending wave cycle, a 34-year geopolitical cycle, as well as a 10-year boom and bust cycle. And when all these point up, then you're in a good period, a good economic period. But when they all start and roll over and point down at the same time, that's when you you, you need to pay particular attention because hell's about to come to town. Now, these cycles, they, they move and, and, and they, they always don't agree with one another. Sometimes one's up, one's down, some are flat. But when they're all going in one direction, then um, it's time to look out. Right now, that's kind of where we are. And we're going to take a look at current situation uh, relative to those cycles when we come back for uh, our next segment. You're listening to The Wealth Guardians with Doug Ray right here on 94.5 WPTI.
Welcome back to the Wealth Guardian Show. Uh, if you just joined us in today's show, we're kind of looking at uh, this month of May where Wall Street says go away. Um, we're looking at different analyst opinions of uh, the market, and uh, we want to examine uh, bullish analysts and bearish analysts. And, and today I'm, I'm uh, looking at Harry Dent's latest work, and, and Harry Dent is very bearish, uh, I have to tell you that. Again, I'm not going to give you my opinion. I want you to form your own opinion. Um, but Harry basically says that before uh, this down cycle is complete, uh, we should bottom out somewhere around 2020 uh, at a Dow of about 5,000 or so. And keep in mind, we're 21,000 on the Dow. So that's that's an awfully long ride down, folks. All right. So <clears throat> what I want to do in this segment is I want to take a look at his different cycles, his four cycles that he he mainly uses uh, to help identify where we're at in in the economy. And I want to compare the cycles to where they were in in previous market tops. Um, Let me give you the cycles again because some of you just may join us. He uses something called a 45-year innovation cycle, a 39-year generational spending wave cycle, a 34-year geopolitical cycle, and a 10-year boom-and-bust cycle. Now, the the years, I know they sound kind of strange to you. I don't have time to go into how he comes up with these years, but bottom line is what he's done is he's figured out when uh, families tend to peak in their spending and and what they do in terms of uh, how they live and, and have children and that kind of thing. You'll have to get his work and read it to to really get into it. But it's amazingly great work in terms of of how in the past it's pretty accurately predicted tops and bottoms. Uh, so let's again do some comparing. We're going to use these four cycles and look at the 25, 1925 to 1929 bubble and then the current bubble uh, and the tech bubble of 95 into 2000. So going back, the 45-year innovation cycle uh, that he looks at, it peaked in 1920, and that concurred with the exact peak of the railroad industry. It then turned down all the way to 1942. The 39-year generational spending wave pointed up strongly up into 1929, and that was with a massive generational wave of immigrants. Then it crashed and had a secondary high again in 1937 before it crashed one more time. The 34-year geopolitical cycle turned up in 1915. Yeah, we had what? World War I then. It peaked in 1930 and then converged with demographic trends through 1929. The 10-year boom and bust cycle it turned up in late 23, peaked in 1929, and then it crashed into 1933. That was the depths of, of, the, of the Great Depression. So three of his four cycles converged in an upward arcing move into 1929. Then all four of them headed down simultaneously from 1930 to 33. Now, during this time, the Schiller Cape indicator 
it managed to get as high as 32.6. But that was well after the peak of the market. Those four cycles converged again into early 2000. And that generational spending wave turned up from late 1982 through late 2007. The 45-year innovation cycle turned positive from late 88 through 2010. The geopolitical cycle headed up from 1982 to 2001. And, of course, until 9-11 occurred, uh, to be precise, and then it rolled over. Finally, the boom and bust cycle. It was up until February of 2014, and the bottom for it is not projected until 2020. So, putting it all together, all four cycles were heading up into early 2000. That made the tech bubble the most favorable period in history, even more so than the roaring 2000s, or 20s. And that was the greatest one before it. That's why we saw the highest ever valuations in and around the market top in 2000. It was just baked in those cycles, people. But all four cycles have been in their negative turn since early 2014, and those trends will persist until 2020. The impact of the geopolitical cycle on stocks alone is to have valuations on the way to the bottom. So based on these cycles and these P.E. ratios of 22 to 24 would be normal somewhere at this point in the cycle. And with the dot-com era, it peaked in ratios of 44.2. All right, said earlier, today, we're already at 29.3, and we'll soon see these ratios move even higher. But it's only because we're in the negative turn of those four key cycles and they look to be lower into the future. All right, I know that was a lot of numbers I threw at you, but the bottom line is this, folks. In Harry's cycle work, these four main cycles that he used have turned down since 2014. When all four of them turned down at the same time, that is usually extremely positively correlated with a negative market. Again, his belief is these indicators will bottom out somewhere around 2020, and the end result of that will bring the stock market down some 70 to 80%. Pretty strong move. Now, he goes on to say, in only the way Harry can say things, if you can't see that this is a bubble, you might literally be blind. It's not only the longest bubble in the series of four bubbles since the 1983 fall bubble, it's by far the largest point gain and now just recently the greatest percentage gain. By the time this irrational final blow-off of phase of the Trump rally peaks later in the year, it will be off the charts with valuations closer to what we had in 1929. His question to you, do you want to hold stocks in such a scenario, and he says, I certainly do not. Well, again, um, you know, if some of this work with Harry has got you a little bit unsettled and nervous about your situation, I'm going to offer you a second opinion, you know, especially if you have an advisor who is uh, wildly bullish and uh, tells you everything is going great and not to worry, um, 
it's time to get a second opinion. As I said earlier, you know, there's a lot of ways uh, you can still get market gains but have your 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 dollars, your precious retirement dollars protected from from downside moves in the market. You remember 2007 when the market topped? You didn't have a clue. And all of a sudden the market rolled over and it kept going down and down and down until finally many of you quit opening your statements. I remember comments like that. And at some point you were sick to your stomach and panicked even. Don't let that happen again, especially if you're within five years of retirement. That is one of the biggest dangers I see for people right now that are just a couple years away from retirement. Your 401ks are fat, dumb, and happy, and I'm glad for you. But you got to learn how to protect them. As I've said so many times on this program, you got to have an exit strategy. So give me a call. Let's have a conversation about this. 336-391-3409. 336-391-3409. Okay, let's wrap this show up today by um, examining what um, Harry has to say about the uh, the market today and the market back into the 95 to 2000 top. He basically says it's different as night and day. Our economy is today and in recent years compared to the latter 90s and 2000 uh, with that great tech bubble period is so completely different in terms of just about everything. And he he cites some work that uh, Michael Leibowitz from 720 Global did just on how different uh, our economy and earnings growth really has been in recent years. And, you know, when I read this, I, I I knew the last seven, eight years have been dismal in terms of, of growth and so forth. But when you actually see these numbers and compare them, it's start, startling. So he's comparing from 95 to 99 and then 2012 to 16. GDP growth averaged 4% from 95 to 99. From 2012 to 16, only 1.9%. And the estimates for this year, folks, are just a half of 1%. The three-year earnings growth from was, from 1995 to 99 was 7.5%. Hang on, listen to this number. From 2012 to 16, it was a minus 3.84%. Our federal deficit, or debt, I should say, the total debt is now over $20 trillion compared to 1999 when it was $5.36 trillion. And then there's productivity. Between 95 and 99, it was 1.84%, and by 2016, it's limping along at 0.49%. That's a half of 1%. And with third, he says with further retirements and aging, he thinks it's even going to head to zero or lower. So this is clearly not the same economy we enjoyed back in the 1990s. So valuations today cannot reasonably or rationally be compared to those back then. Ratios of 44.2 times earnings were possible back then, but not today. He goes on to say that, you know, 
Trump's plans to get the economy growing again at 3 to 4% a year, he thinks that's pie in the sky. He says no matter what they do, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen simply because of where our population is in terms of the big cycle of baby boomers hitting retirement and the demographic behind the baby boomers are not uh, productive yet. And um, it's an interesting thesis, I have to say. I followed Harry Dent for, well, since about 1990 and I uh, really enjoy his work. Highly recommend his work to you. Uh, again, I'm not saying I believe it or disbelieve it. It's up to you. But if uh, you're concerned about what he said and you want to come in and chat about it, like I said, I'd love to hear your story. Give us a call at the Wealth Guardians at 336-391-3409. And we'll see you next week. 